Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad that you are here today. It's good to uh, share this time of fellowship with you and this time of worship with you as we've gathered in Christ's name. And we welcome everyone. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you are here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. If you wouldn't mind, take those and uh, fill those out so we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. Just uh, put the information you feel comfortable uh, providing for us and check the appropriate box on there. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, please uh, put your email address on there. We send that out every Thursday, and it's a good way to keep up with the activities and, and opportunities at Community Baptist Church. Uh, speaking of which, we have a busy time coming up ahead of us. We've, we've got a busy week this week and, and really a busy next six weeks uh, through October is going to be very, very busy. And so we're, uh, we're starting out on Tuesday night with our hoops and cheers practice is starting this week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, so come on by if you can uh, sometime between 6 and 8 and just, just be here. Just be a presence and uh, share the, uh, show the crowd uh, that's there that's gathered to watch their children play basketball and to, and to lead cheers. Show them the love of, of Community Baptist Church just by your presence there. Also coming up, we have the Highway 60 yard sale that's taking place on Friday and Saturday. And so we need some volunteers to be here on Friday, all day on Friday and all day on Saturday. And also on Thursday night uh, at 7 o'clock, we need some volunteers here to help set up. Because uh, we're going to be doing that here at the church, and we hope that you can uh, help us to set up and be a part of uh, volunteering to make that a, a reality as well. Uh, we, we have the, uh, we're attending the Sandy Patty concert in Newburgh on, <clears throat> excuse me, on October the 8th. And if you'd like to be a part of that, see Kirk Haynes and, uh, he'll take care of that for you. We have a picnic that's coming up on October the 9th at Ottoman State Park and a blood drive on October 12th. Are you tired yet? <laughs> it's busy. It is a busy, busy time. Uh, but it is a good time, and it is a good time to be a part of God's fellowship here at Community Baptist Church. Now, before we move on, I think we have a presentation from the men's class. Who's, there's Bob's going to be taking care of that, so come on, Bob, and share with us. I would like to ask uh, Christine and uh, Jerry to come down a minute, if they would the front. And if you're a member of the men's class and you're not right here, we're a little low today, but we're here. And Larry, Larry, bring some to you. We'd like to say once again how Thank <laughs> you. 
your permission, we would like to to mount it on the Thank you. Phil meant uh, so much to so many of us, and uh, we miss him, and uh, we're glad to be able to commemorate him in this way. Let's stand and uh, share the love of Christ with one another, if you're able, and greet one another with goodness and with mercy.
Sue. <laughs> Let us enter into a time of prayer. Uh, before we do, we remember um, the life of Fred Shortridge, who passed on early yesterday morning, and um, so we're, our hearts are heavy with that with that knowledge. And so, as we pray today, remember especially Juanita and Fred's uh, family and his friends who miss him de- dearly. Almighty God. We come to you today in confidence because we know that this world in which we live is your world, brought into being through your love for all of your people. And as we bring all our concerns before you today, we know that you are waiting to hear from us and to respond to us. And so we pray today for the needs of our people, for those who grieve. Bring comfort. For those who are sick, bring healing. For those struggling with various issues in their lives, O God, we lift them to you because we know that you are faithful. And Lord, as we enter into this time of worship, we pray that you will teach us. Teach us how to provide for ourselves, being mindful of our own needs, and yet also of the call of Christ to put our trust in Him. Help us to learn how to spend our time and our money in a manner that is worthy of Your kingdom of love. And Lord, we pray that You would make this church a place of generosity, where people work together, giving all that they are and all that they have so that the wonderful resources of our world may be better shared. We pray especially today for those who wander through life, constantly seeking a purpose, some reason for living. We remember especially those who store up wealth for themselves, believing that the road to happiness is through the accumulation of possessions. And we pray that you will help them to find fulfillment in you as they experience your love, your acceptance, and the wholeness of life that comes only from you. We make our prayers to you today as a part of our common life together as brothers and sisters in Christ, in worship and in service of our Lord. Amen. Page number four.
theme music, sorry. Trust me, I don't need theme music to be entertaining. Everybody having a good week? Well, that looks good. Everybody having a good week? That's better. All right. Does anybody know what it means to be generous? Does anybody know anybody who is generous? I bet if you just stand up, turn around, you look, I bet you can spot so many generous people that you couldn't imagine. Because it's not... How much money we have in our pockets, how much money we give to our church, though we like that. Uh, we, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's our, what we give of our time, of our talents. Sometimes it's just being there for somebody that needs you. I was going to post two pictures up here to show you. Uh, a month or so ago in uh, a middle school somewhere in Florida, Florida State football team came in to do something, and then when they went to eat, there was a young boy sitting by himself at a table, and nobody was sitting around him. And this football player, who's probably going to go on to be a really big star, big, he walks over and he sits down and he starts to eat with that young man. And it really, it, it touched the young man's family. It touched other people. Uh, the young boy obviously didn't have any friends or people who he thought were his friends to sit around and talk with him. But this football player saw him sitting by himself, and he thought, I'd rather sit with that kid than to sit with my teammates or something else. He gave of his time and of his, just of his companionship to sit with that young man, and it spoke volumes. Um, we're all different. And just because we're different doesn't mean we're good or bad or whatever. If you see somebody in your lunchroom that's sitting by themselves or they always walk by themselves, say, hey, how are you doing? Sit down, share a meal with it. Uh, you can give. If you don't even have a dime in your pocket, you can give. You can give somebody a shoulder to cry on if they've, you know, if they're having a bad day, if they're having a tough time on a test, you know, after the, hey, you know, good job. You can be generous as long as you've got something right. You got Jesus in your heart. You're never gonna be broke or alone. If you just share that with somebody, and that's, that's what we're all here on this earth to do. If we share Jesus with everybody, we're all generous. And when we get to heaven, he's going to look and say, good job. So try to, make more, try to make new friends. Try to make people feel like you know, they, they're not alone, that they, they, they have somebody. So try to do that. If you, if you see that, I mean, it happens. But, you know, sit beside somebody. Say, hey, I'm your, you know. I'd like to get to know you. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your son who was so generous. He gave of everything he had, including his life. For those of us, we're not deserving. But we can try to, we can try to earn some of that love that he gave for us. We just have to share it. We have to share it with everybody we know. Uh, make everybody feel loved. That's our, that's our you know, make them, make them find you. We all get to heaven. We all do a good job. Nobody's left behind. We ask this in your name. Amen. Good job. Off to him is on page 390. We are called.
if any of you see Rachel Hobson out that this weekend is her birthday and speak of one of the many blessings that we as a church have received Rachel is one of the biggest ones so if you see her she is the big 3-0 and say something to her or you can call and sing to her which she loves doesn't she Mark so I was going to sing to her if she was here but I'll spare you guys that so if you would bow your heads and pray with me dear God Please help us to remember what Frank has said, and when we see those people in need each day, to put them before us. Please help us to remember that each day when we wake, we should not ask what we can do today, but what we can do to help others. And if we are coming to the church and we need any help, please help us to remember that we can reach out to any of our church members, that we do not have to carry a burden alone. Amen.
Our scripture today is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6-29. Of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into, into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich, they fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But as for you, man of God, shun all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the right time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, it is he who alone, it is he alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that is really life. This is the word of the Lord.
Thank you, choir. You know, as I listen to my choir, our choir singing, um, I can't help but smile. You know, especially you sing a song like that, it's kind of upbeat. You just, a smile just comes to your face. And you know what? I think it, I think that smile comes to God's face as well. Thank you so much for that ministry and song. Um, one of the most effective and, and colorful congressmen to ever go to Washington was a, a crusty old gentleman from Texas named Sam Rayburn. He served in Congress for over 50 years, and during the last 10 of those years, he, he served as the Speaker of the House. But the real greatness of Sam Rayburn was not the public positions that he held, but it, it was his compassionate spirit. One day, he heard that the teenage daughter of a Washington reporter had died. And so early the next morning, he went over to that reporter's house and knocked on on his door. And he said, I just wanted to come by and see what I could do to help. Well, the reporter was obviously touched by this. He said, thank you, Mr. Speaker, but I don't think there's anything that you can do. We're we're making all the all the arrangements. And so Rayburn said, have you had your coffee yet this morning? And when the reporter said that he hadn't, he had not had any coffee yet, Mr. Rayburn said, well, I'll make it for you. And so he walked in the, into the man's kitchen and began to make the coffee. Well, the reporter was amazed by all of this because he knew what Sam Rayburn's schedule was for that day. In fact, he said, Mr. Speaker, I thought you were having breakfast with the president this morning in the White House. And Rayburn responded, well, I was. But I called the president and told, them, told him that I had a friend who was having some trouble and that I wouldn't be able to make it. Now, I believe that that story communicates the very essence of what I'm going to try to talk about this morning. Because this is the, a perfect example of what a Christian life should look like. You see, the Christian life is a life of generosity, a life of generosity of the self and generosity of one's resources. And the reason that Christians are to live a life like that is because we recognize the fact that all of life is a gift. All of life is a gift. And that's the first thing that I want us to focus in on this morning. The Christian life is a life of generosity because we know that all of life is a gift. That's what Paul was trying to say to us in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7. He said, for, though, for, for who sees anything, anything different in you? He asked. What do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, then why do you boast about it as if it were not a gift? My friends, all of life is a gift. But you know, somewhere along the way, somewhere along the line, we just stopped believing that, didn't we? Or at the very least, we became jaded to the fact that all of life is a beautiful gift from God. I like the Dennis and the Menace cartoon in which Miss, Mrs. Wilson told Dennis one day that Mr. Wilson had once been just like him. And so Dennis tells his friend Joey about this. He said, he got dirty. He had fights. 
He swiped cookies. He busted things. He told fibs. He hated baths. He teased girls. And Joey says, gee, he sounds just like a regular old fella. I wonder where he went wrong. And that's a great question, isn't it? Where did Mr. Wilson go wrong? Where do we all go wrong? When did we lose that childlike trust and turn into cynics? When did we lose that, accept of, uh, that acceptance of life as a gift of grace and turn into dog-eat-dog achievers? When did we stop believing that life is a gift and decide that we have to take it by storm? And when did we stop believing those words of Jesus when he told us that unless you become like little children, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God? That's the issue that Paul was addressing in Corinthians. What do you have that you did not receive, he asked. And if you received it, then why do you boast about it as if it were not a gift? My friends, our very existence is a gift from God. And as the old adage goes, our lives are God's gift to us, and what we do with them is our gift to God. And that's true, isn't it? You really believe that all of life is God's gift to you? Then how are you spending your life? How are you spending your life? You know, if you think about it, that's an interesting expression that we use Many times, often we use that expression, how are you spending your life? As if your life was some kind of currency that you spend, like money. I guess in a way it is kind of like that. It's kind of like the $2 that Grandma gave you on your birthday. It's, it's a gift that was given to you. You didn't earn it. It was just given because your grandma loves you. And it's up to you to determine how you'll spend it. Life is like that. Life is a gift. And it's up to you to determine how you spend it. Now to our second point. The second point that I'd like to make today is that the call of a Christian is to be rich. Okay. Let's let that settle in for a minute. <laughs> The call of a Christian is to be rich. Now, don't worry your little hearts here. Your pastor has not suddenly become a prosperity gospel preacher. In fact, uh, those of you who have known me for a while, you know that I've often criticized the prosperity gospel that says that if you have enough faith, your bank account will always be full and, and you'll have plenty of material playthings. I'm sorry, but... I just don't see that in the gospel. And yet here I am saying to each of you that the call of a Christian is to be rich. Now before you jump to any conclusions about this, let's listen again to a part of our scripture that Christine read a little while ago from 1 Timothy. As for the rich of this world, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches, but on God, 
who richly furnishes us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good. And listen to this. They are to be rich in good deeds, liberal and generous, thus laying up for themselves a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life which is life indeed. There it is. We can all be rich. That's, just, that's exactly what Frank was talking about just, just a moment ago. We can all be rich. In fact, we are called to be rich. Rich in our good deeds. Rich in our liberality. Rich in our generosity. Rich in the way that comes from taking hold of the life which is life indeed. You see... The way we we feel about our money and the way we use our money says a whole lot about who we are. But more than that, it says a whole lot about whose we are. You know, I heard about a preacher in Columbus, Ohio, who went to visit one of that community's most wealthy and influential businessmen. And as they sat in his office, they were talking about the problems of the world and what the Christian's response should be to those problems. And the man got up from behind his desk and went over to the the picture window there, looking out over the, the cityscape. And he gazed out at his city and he said to his preacher, you know, I've kind of got it figured out that God will ask us two questions when we knock on the gates of heaven. First of all, God's going to ask, what have you done with what you've had? And that's a pretty easy question to answer. We all know what we've done with what we've had. But the second one's a little harder. For God is then going to ask us, who did you do it for? You see, the way we use our money tells an awful lot about who we are. But more importantly, it tells the story of whose we are. And unfortunately, unfortunately, the world is not seeing enough stories of people who are saying with all that they are and with all that they have, I belong to God. Life for me is a gift. And I am called to be rich. Rich in good deeds. Rich in my generosity. Rich in my character. Rich for God. You remember Jim Elliott is a famous missionary who gave his life to reach to reach out to the Aka Indians in South America. But he put his thought this thought so clearly and so challengingly in his diary. This is what he wrote. He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. And let's think about that for a minute. He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot uh, lose. And Jim Elliott did just that. He gave up his very life for the sake of Jesus Christ. And in doing so, he gained life eternal. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And here's the thing. You can lose your treasure. Happens all the time. A lot of people have. 
And if your treasure is in the wrong place, you could also lose your soul. But if your treasure is in the right place, even if you lose it, your soul is going to be just fine. So remember that the call of the Christian is to be rich. But those riches are not the uncertain things of, of material goods that we might accumulate. The riches that Paul was talking about here are the riches of good deeds and the riches of being liberal and generous, which provides a foundation for the future, enabling us to take hold of the life that is really life. And now for the final point. Not only is our call to be rich in living a generous life, but as Christians, our call is also a ministry of making others rich as well. In 2 Corinthians 6, we are told that we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet are well known, as dying and yet we are alive, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, and having nothing and yet possessing everything. What a beautiful picture that is. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich. I hope you can see why I say that, that the, the task of all Christians is to make other people rich. And by doing so, we are proclaiming an enriching gospel. That's our task. That's our ministry. We are sharing with others the blessing of being rich in our good deeds, rich in our character, rich in our generosity. And it doesn't really matter what the circumstances of your life may be. That's exactly what Frank was saying just a minute ago. It doesn't matter what your circumstances in life may be, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're young or old, whether you're educated or uneducated. It doesn't matter who we are as Christians. Our ministry is the ministry of making others rich. So how do we do that? Well, let me suggest two things. First of all, we make others rich by sharing the good news of salvation with them. My friends, many people are hungry to hear the good news of salvation from those who, who, are, who are living witnesses of God's love. And we make them rich by sharing the good news with them. Secondly, we make others rich by letting them know through our love, through our care, through our attention, through our actions, through sitting at the table of a young boy sitting alone, by letting them know that they're important. They mean something to God. You know, I believe that that is a great need among so many people today because there are a lot of people who believe that they just don't count. Nobody's ever told them that they do. Nobody's ever shown them that they matter. But just that simple thing can make such a huge difference in somebody's life. 
Back on Christmas Eve of 1988, a church in uh, a small town in Nebraska had a wonderful opportunity to just to do just that. The pastor of this church was Reverend Gene Samuelson, and apparently a, a transient had moved into their community who frightened a lot of people, especially the children. It had mostly to do with the way he looked. He was poorly dressed. He always smelled bad. He was usually drunk. He was also crippled, and he had a a scary, contorted face. So most of the people in the town just avoided him at all costs. They didn't want to be anywhere near, near him, and they stayed away from him as much as they could, but not Gene Samuelson. She tried to visit with him and always invited him to come to church. If she saw him in the, on the street, she invited him to come to church. If, they, if she saw him in, in a store, she invited him to come to church. But he always declined. He never would come. And in time, as she talked with this gentleman, she managed to discover why he was so badly crippled. And she learned that he had been stabbed many times when he was a small boy by his own father. But during the Christmas Eve service that year, this man stumbled into the church. He found a seat back in the back of the congregation. And when Reverend Samuelson offered the invitation for the people to come forward for communion, the man managed to get to his face and he waved a piece of paper in the air and he cried, Stop, Reverend Samuelson, stop, I want you to read this poem. Well, if that's ever happened to you, I can tell you as a pastor, you don't want that to happen. (laughs) Because you kind of lose control of the situation when that happens, and there's no telling what's coming. You don't know. And Jean Samuelson, it was a very compassionate person. She knew that this man had been hurt so many times before. And so in kindness, she suggested that perhaps they just go on with the rest of the service and she would read the poem later. But that wasn't going to happen. That wouldn't do. And so he cried out again and said, Stop, I want you to read this poem. And with that, he came down the aisle. And because he was drunk, he tripped and fell about halfway down, his head on the end of one of the pews, opening up a gash. And she noticed that his hands and arms were also bleeding because he had fallen on the steps coming into the, into the church earlier. And so she finally took the poem and she tried to read it. He said it didn't make a whole lot of sense, especially at first. And Like the snow, I am falling, falling, falling. Like the night, I am falling, falling, falling. And then she said there were some lines that made no sense at all. It was just kind of stream of consciousness out there kind of stuff. Something about his dog. And she was trying to think of a way to to graciously stop reading this poem. And yet something told her that she, she had to continue. And then she came to the end of the poem, which went something like this. Like the snow, falling, falling, falling. Like the night, falling, falling, falling. I think that I, am falling, falling, falling in love with Jesus.
there was a powerful silence that fell across that congregation that night. People were deeply moved. Some of them came to the man and helped him the rest of the way down the aisle to the communion rail. And they knelt there with him as a family of faith to commune with God and to commune with one another. And as they did so, tears of love, tears of sorrow, and tears of joy streamed from from their faces. A miracle happened in that church that night on that Christmas Eve. And it was the miracle of a congregation coming to an awareness of who they were. That the Spirit of God was upon them to to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim release to the captives and to recovery of sight to the blind and to set free those who are afflicted. To make others rich by sharing the good news of salvation with them and by letting them know by our love and by our care, by our attention, that they matter. That they are important to God. So there it is. The ministry of making others rich. Even a homeless, drunk, smelly man. The Christian life is a life of generosity. Because we have come to know that all of life, all of our life, all of your life, each of our lives is a gift from God. And the call of the Christian life is to be rich. To be rich in our deeds, in our character, and in our love. And as Christians, our ministry is the ministry of making others rich as well. And we do that by sharing the good news of salvation and by letting them know with our love, with our care, with our attention, that they're important. So, how are you coming along with that enriching ministry that God has called us to? The ministry of making others rich. The ministry of living a life sharing God's love. Amen. Let's sing together our closing hymn, number four, uh, number 542. In loving kindness, Jesus came.
God has been with us, guiding our thoughts, inspiring our words, and reviving our spirits. So go in the knowledge that God will love the chance to accompany each of you, each of your thoughts, your words, your actions, as this next week unfolds. May the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Amen.